We continue with the book of Genesis. Guess what? We are almost at the end. We've been studying these four great men. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we're at the tail end of Genesis. We've been discussing the true blessing is really God's promises. Done God's way. Done in God's time. Will result always in God's best. We just have to what? Trust. God. We have to have complete faith in God, God's word, and we have to follow it in obedience. We are studying the life of Joseph. Look, from being a favored son, he was betrayed by his brothers, he was sold as a slave, he was promoted, but then he was falsely accused by the wife of Potiphar, and then he was imprisoned. And somebody promised to tell Pharaoh about him, but this guy forgot. For two years, he languished in jail, being forgotten. But then he was promoted while he was in jail. And then, ultimately, he got promoted to the second in command. He became the prime minister of Egypt. This is his life. The life of Joseph. Last week, we studied that because of the dysfunctionality of their family, the beast goes on. What is that beast? The beast of favoritism. The beast of putting the younger over the elder. Do you remember? Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. By tradition, by culture, by their standards, the firstborn gets the blessing. Who is this doing this? Jacob. Who is Jacob? The one who pulled, he tugged at the feet of Esau, his elder brother. The Jacob who deceived his father Isaac to getting the blessing. What's the other one? Behold, I'm about to die. God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. I give you one portion more than your brothers. Favoritism. Why? Joseph was his favorite. Jacob did not think that he would see his son Joseph ever again because the report to him was that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. And his brothers presented to their father, is this the cloak that you prepared for your son Joseph? Yes. And he mourned and he wailed for several years. But then when God moved, when God put Joseph in a position of authority in Egypt, he was able to bring his entire family from outside of Egypt, where there was a great famine, into the protection and provision of God in Egypt. And he was able to see his son yet again. And he called when Joseph found out that his father was sick, what did he do? He brought his two sons. Sons born to him while he was in Egypt. Ephraim, our drummer, and Manasseh. <laughs> Why, the Ephraim is our drummer. And Jacob blessed them. And Jacob told Joseph, these two children of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, will be as my own children. 
as Reuben and your other siblings are, they shall be in effect adopted by me. They too shall be blessed. But those who come up after these two, they're not part of it. Alright? So what do you do when you tell somebody and the person does not follow? And then it does go wrong. What do you tell them? Huh? Genesis 49. What happened? Isn't this what you say? Yeah. I told you so. In English. I told you not to go to, you go to now. Look at. Sinabi ko na siyo, huwag ka dyan. Dyan ka. Yeah, kita mo. O I told you not to go to, you go to, now look at. Alright? But in Genesis 49, it is a prophecy. Therefore, you cannot say, I told you so. Right? Because what it is. The title this morning is, I foretold you so. Genesis 49 is the prophecy through the blessing of Jacob upon his children. He's going to give us a picture of what his children are going to be. Before we continue, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Our anchor, our hope. Your word never changes. Your word will stand the test of time. And Father, we pray that you will speak to us through your word to see that you are moving in the lives of the people in the Old Testament, that the Bible is real and the Bible is still alive and applicable today. So God, use this time through your Holy Spirit to speak to all of us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the title of the message this morning? I foretold you so. Genesis 49. Then Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. So what is about to take place? He is going to give them a prophecy about what will happen to them. Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Jacob is near death. He is about to die. He is about to be buried with his fathers. And he gathered all of his children and he's going to tell them this is what's going to happen so everybody listen to me why because I am Israel I am Jacob your father if you have a good relationship with your parents at the time of their death you will make everything you will try to do everything possible within your means to be at the bedside of your parents, correct? So there was this man, he was near death. Said, honey, I'm about to die. Where are the children? Dad, I'm here, Dad. Where's the other boy? Dad, I'm here. Where's my daughter? Dad, right here. All of you are here. Who is minding the store? <laughs> you know, I have, as a pastor, I have been called to such situations in the hospital. Imagine being called to hospital and then uh, 
the doctors say, Pastor, that uh, my father is brain dead. They can't do anything anymore. What is your wisdom? What is your counsel? Because the doctors are telling me that we need to turn off the machine. I've never been in a situation when the person is near death and the person's wishes are, I wish I could have spent more time in the office. Never yet. It's always about family. It's always about family. It's never about work. It's never about money. It's always about family. I wish so-and-so were here. I wish we could have been reconciled. It's never about, I should have taken an extra hour of overtime yesterday. Never. So here is Jacob. Here is Israel. He's gathering his family together. And a big family he has, correct? By Leah, these are the definitions of their names. Reuben, see, a son. Simeon, hearing. Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. By these women, his wives and his concubines. So he had a great big family. He had 12 children representing the 12 tribes of Israel. But in Genesis 48, verse 5 and 6, Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that are born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by their names, brothers in the inheritance. Therefore, from the original twelve, Benjamin was the last, you have 12.1, Ibrahim, and 12.2, Manasseh. Who are these? These are those two children of Joseph, born to him while he was in Egypt, whom Jacob said, these two children of yours shall be considered as mine. They shall be partakers of the blessing. Alright? Got it? Alright. So here now is his vision his prophecy over his children. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. The firstborn. The firstborn. While he was still a lot stronger, you're preeminent. Your position as the firstborn, you're supposed to inherit, you're supposed to receive the main blessing. But verse 4, uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. So what was Reuben supposed to be? The preeminent child. But what happened? He lost his position. Why? Because he defiled his father's bed. How? Genesis 35. It came about while Israel, Jacob, was dwelling in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Reuben defiled his father's bed by having sexual relations with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah. So what happened in First Chronicles? Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, 
for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the sons of Israel, so that he is not enrolled in the genealogy according to the birthright. So who should, got, who should have gotten the blessing? Reuben. But because Reuben defiled his father's bed by going into Bilhah, his father's concubine, eh, your move. It went to whom? Joseph. You miss your place. Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let my glory be united with let not my glory be united with their assembly. Because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and the wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. What can you learn about Simeon and Levi? Are they calm people, even-tempered, or are they violent and angry? Now it came about on the third day, Genesis 34, when they were in pain that, that, that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares, and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword and took Dina from Shechem's house and went forth. Houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and my men being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. Do you remember this in Genesis 34? Shechem loved Dina. But he did not wait. Remember? God's word done God's way in God's time will produce God's best. But Shechem didn't like to wait. So what did he do? He raped Dina. But he loved her, but he raped her. Yes. So what happened? These two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, took matters into their own hands. They deceived Shechem and Hamor and pretended, oh, this is what needs to be done. Anyway, we're going to be family, so let's do this. Good idea. So while they were there, what happened? Simeon and Levi started killing the people and their animals. So what? Going back to Genesis 49. What did Jacob say about his two sons, Simeon and Levi? Let, not my, let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly. Because in their anger, they slew men. And in their self-will, they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger. Are you an angry person? I have Irish blood. Not only am I short, my temper is also short. But what is the Bible's counsel to me as all other people who are short-tempered and always angry? 
The anger of man. Can you read that with me? The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now ladies, just because it says man, it does not mean that you are exempted. You are part of the human race. And when you also get mad and you also get angry, your actions also do not achieve the righteousness of God. What does the Bible tell us to do? Make disciples. What is a disciple? A, a follower of Jesus Christ. Right? I am supposed to be more and more like Christ. Right? Now, if God is angry, like you are angry, do you think you and I will still be alive? Put yourself in God's shoes and display that kind of anger that you share, that you show with other people. This room will be empty. You agree? But because God is what? Slow to anger, abounding in love, because God is gracious, we are still alive by God's grace. Amen? The anger of man does not what? Achieve the righteousness of God. So these two, you can call them sons of thunder. In the New Testament, you also have the apostles. Two of them were also very angry. Angry people. So Joseph, uh, Jacob doesn't want to have anything to do with their, their kind of anger. So Reuben, Simeon and Levi. Judah. Verse 8. Judah. Your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's wealth. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff between his feet. Until Shiloh comes. And to whom shall be the obedience of, his, of the peoples? He ties his foal to the vine, and his donkey is called to the choice wine. He washes his garments in wine, and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine, and his teeth white from milk. Oh, why Reuben? Preeminence, you're no longer in the, in the line. You, you, I'm going to give somebody else. Simeon and Levi. We are angry people. I won't have anything to do with you. What do you notice about Judah? Look, your brother shall praise you. You remember a brother who shared about his dream? That he was being praised by his siblings? Who is that? Joseph. What did they do to him? They wanted to kill him. And if, in, in, instead of killing him, they sold him as a slave. And what happened to him? He was appointed to be number two in Egypt. Why Judah? Why does he have such a nice future? Remember, I foretold you so. You can say that oh, Jacob is really full of favoritism. To these other children of his, he's very negative. But to Judah, look, your brother shall praise you. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Everything you do will be blessed. Beautiful outcome. Beautiful picture. Right? Zebulun. 
will dwell at the seashore. He shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall be toward Sidon. What will happen to Zebulun? He will become a mariner. He will live by the sea. He will make his future near the sea. Upon the sea coast, you will be merchants, mariners, traders at sea. How many of you have relatives in the merchant marines? I have my, all my, my brothers-in-law. One captain, two chief engineer, one third engineer, one chief cook. All of them make their living by the sea. Zebulun, his future was going to be in the sea coast. Issachar, Issachar Kapar, Issachar is a strong donkey. Oh, donkey tuloy. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that the resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. So what is the future of Issachar? Manual labor. That's how he will make his future. He will work. He will carry heavy loads. He will be a man working. Get it? By his labor, he will sustain himself. Compare that with Judah. Very nice future for Judah. Kau seaman, kau laborer. Pero si Judah, kanta. Right? Dan, not Pastor Dan. Dan. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites horses' heels so that his riders fall backward. For you, salvation, I wait, O Lord. Dan was going to be a judge. You know, in the Bible, you have what? The book of Judges. He was going to be a judge. That is his future. But he is going to be a shrewd judge. You know Judges? Especially in the Philippines, very shrewd. No, very shrewd. ACDC, you know what ACDC? Attack, collect, defend, collect. At bottom line, still collect. <laughs> very shrewd. Very shrewd. Dan was going to be a shrewd judge. As for God, oh, another son, God. As for God, raiders shall raid him. But he will raid at their heels. So what's the future of God? He will be like a military man. He will be a warlike tribe. That's why when you read further on, you have the Gadites. They were a warring clan. Look at it. They will raid him, but they will raid but he will raid them back. So he's a warring tribe, a warring clan. Asher. As for Asher, he will bring the people in. No, that is uh, brother, not Miguel. As for Asher, his food shall be rich and he will, read he will yield royal dainties. Asher will be a very rich tribe. He will not only be replenished with bread as a necessity, but he will be filled with royal dainties. Not only blessed with the what is minimum, but he will be abundantly fruitful. Naphtali, as a doe let loose, he gives beautiful words. Naphtali, a tribe that carries struggles in its name. It signifies wrestling, and the blessing entailed upon it signifies prevailing. You let loose the doe. 
the deer, what happens? When you release the restraint, what happens? Goes wild. Careful. Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bow. A fruitful bow by a spring. Its branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attack him and shot him and harassed him. But his bow remained firm. And his arms were agile. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From the God of your father who helps you. And by the almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lies beneath. Blessings of the breasts of the womb. The blessings of your father have surpassed the blessing of my ancestors. Upon to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph. And on the crown of his head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Another beautiful blessing. Why? Joseph was the instrument that God used to preserve the clan of Jacob. Because God's presence was constantly upon him, everything that he did was blessed. Because of the presence of God in the life of Joseph, people noticed, people observed, the household of Pharaoh observed, even Pharaoh himself observed, you are blessed. And I see the presence of God in you. And Jacob is saying, my fathers, my forefathers were blessed. But you are blessed even more than them. May the blessing be upon your head and the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Isn't it when he dreamt, when God gave him a vision, all of his brothers were going to bow down to him? Yes? And then in the second vision, even his father and his mother, the sun and the moon, and the twelve stars were bowing down to him. Yes? What happened? It came true. Why? Because God foretold you so. God said it's going to happen. He said, when people tell me, what do you see? What do you? I don't know. I do not see the future. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a prophet of old. But I'm a prophet in a sense, this is what the Bible says. See? You come to me, you come to my wife for counsel. What will we do? Very simple. We will direct you to God's word. If I give you my opinion, I'm doing you a disservice. But if I direct you to God's word, then I'm really helping you. Because who am I? I'm just a man. But the counsel of the word of God, that is what we should do. That is what we should follow. My role is just to direct you to the word of God. Joseph had a good blessing. How about Benjamin? Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the spoil. Benjamin, Benjamin has the posterity also of a warlike tribe, strong and daring. And they would enrich themselves with the spoils of their enemy. They should be active, busy in the world as a tribe, but much feared by their neighbors. Look at him. He devours their prey. In the evening, he devours their spoils. Benjamin. All these were the 12 tribes of Israel. You might say, oh, well, what happened to Ephraim and Manasseh? He is attached to Joseph. Remember? They're like adopted. But they're not really the sons. They're just considered as sons. So it's really just the 12. 
So Ephraim and Manasseh are really attached under Joseph. Okay? And all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone with the blessing, what? Appropriate to him. Appropriate to him. Then, then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. What can you learn about Jacob? He was in Egypt. He was about to die in Egypt. Remember in Genesis 48, towards the end, Jacob asked Joseph, you promised me this, place your hand, your right hand under my thigh. You remember that? Make me a solemn oath that when I die, you will not bury me here. You will carry my bones and bury me there. Where is that there? Right here. In this land. Why can Jacob be buried in this particular piece of property? Why? Because? Do you, do you see it? No, you cannot see it. Look at me. <laughs> there. Now you can see it. See? Where? Why? Why can he be buried there? Huh? Because Abraham thought Loyola Memorial Park. You plan estate planning, financial planning. You plan ahead. If you don't plan ahead, what happens? When you die, the rest of your family are, ah, ah. And then the owners of these funeral plots, ah, you have a need. I am shrewd. So the price, go, the price goes up. But Abraham already bought this way in advance. He bought it from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. So that is one of the last words of Jacob to his family. When I die, this is where you will bury me. Alright? There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. They buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field in the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. So who is already buried over there? All of his descendants. Abraham, Isaac, and now he wants to be buried there too. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. After he'd given him, given them, in effect, their last will and testament. My son, this is your future. One by one. Son, this is going to be your future. After he had given them all that he had foreseen that was going to happen to them. And given them final instructions about his burial. He was able to go back to his bed and breathe his last. And he was carried 
gathered to His people. The end of the life of Jacob. Now if you look at it, all of this dysfunctionality, Isaac over Ishmael, Jacob over Esau, Joseph over Reuben, Ephraim over Manasseh. Why all of this functionality? And why do they still go on? I have only one realization, and I hope you get it as well. In all of this, there is one thing that remains. God's sovereign grace. God's sovereign grace is the equalizer in all of this dysfunctionality. God allowed it for a purpose. God allowed Isaac over Ishmael, Jacob over Esau, Joseph over Reuben, Ephraim over Manasseh. God allowed it. Why? Because He has a bigger plan. And what is that plan? In Genesis 22, after he had tested Abraham, Abraham, take your one and only son Isaac whom you love and offer him to me on the mountain that I will show you as a burnt offering. And after Abraham passed the test, God said, By myself, myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In everything that takes place, God's sovereign grace prevails. You may think that you are taking matters into your own hands, or you may think that you're not doing anything. You may even think that God is not moving. May I suggest to you, God knows exactly what's going on. That's why you can trust Him by His word. You can trust Him by His ways, and you can trust Him by His time. If you want God's best. If you do not want God's best, dabble in it. Help God out. And you will experience what God did not intend for you to experience. God wants you to have the best. It is God's overriding sovereign grace that will still be accomplished no matter what. He promised to Abraham when God called Abraham out of Ur to remove him from these pagan practices so that he will be Abraham's God. He said, I'm going to bless you. You will be a father of a great nation. Your seed shall possess everything at the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Remember the blessings? Basically, only two got a positive report. 
You remember who were those two? Judah and what? Joseph, right? But look at Judah. Why did he get such a beautiful blessing? He suggested to sell Joseph in Genesis 37. He married a Canaanite woman. He married outside of their clan against the very wishes of Jacob. He slept with his own daughter-in-law. When his daughter-in-law was widowed, they need to advance the clan. Tamar put on a costume, pretended to be a harlot, and he slept with his own daughter-in-law. He took the place of Benjamin in Genesis 44. Oh, don't take Benjamin. If you take Benjamin, Pharaoh, and we go back without Benjamin, it will be the death of our father. So he said, I will stay. Okay. Right? So why? Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's well from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He couches. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? Why? Why Judah? In Matthew 1, verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah, his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. And Nashon was the father of Salmon. 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 Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So why is Judah preeminent? Why is Judah Going to reign. Going to be praised by his siblings. Because out of the tribe of Judah comes the Lion of Judah, the Messiah, your God, my God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is to be praised because from his line comes the Messiah. So in other words, from Judah comes Jesus Messiah. That's why Judah, other than Joseph, was the preeminent one in terms of this is what's going to happen to your clan. You see the other brothers and sisters. Did you see Joseph in the genealogy of Jesus? No. Who was there? Judah. Why him? He is like this, he's like that. He shouldn't be deserving. Why? Because of God's sovereign grace. And who is this Lion of Judah? I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, the book written inside and on the back, sealed up with the seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. 
Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome as to open the book and its seven seals. The lion of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that comes up from the tribe of Judah. The one whose scepter. You remember the blessing? The scepter will not depart from your tribe. Why? Because who is that scepter? The Lord Jesus Christ. Were you singing? Where is He? He is seated on the throne, highly exalted. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Jesus Messiah. And the promise that God gave to Abraham. Abraham, through your seed. Didn't say seeds. Through your seed, all nations will be blessed. You want to be blessed? As that who receives the blessing from Abraham? Galatians chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ. And if, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. It's not of what you've done, what you have not done. It is based on the promise of God to you. And as we close, what is that promise? And the testimony the witness, the promise is this, that God has given, God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life, this eternal life is in His Son. Who is that Son? The Lion of Judah, Jesus Messiah. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Black and white. So how can one say that I have eternal life? Because I go to CCF? Because I read my Bible? Because I serve in ministry? Because I'm in a D-group. Ah, as a matter of fact, I am a leader of a D-group. Hmm. How? According to 1 John chapter 5, how can one be saved? He who has the Son has life. On the contrary, he who does not have the Son has no claim to eternal life. That's why the Gospel of John says this in John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. According to John in his epistle, 1 John chapter 5, if I do not have the Son, I cannot claim to be a child of God. But if I have the Son of God, I can claim that I am a child of God and I have eternal life. 
Why does God want you to know this? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. That's why we share the gospel. So do you want to express your faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. You want to pray this prayer with me? Yes. So they pray. What do they pray? Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I humbly open the door of my heart and accept you as my Savior and Lord. By your Spirit, I will turn away from my sin. Please, Lord, help me to be the kind of Christian you want me to be. Thank you for giving me eternal life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right? And then you ask them, since you prayed that prayer by faith, where is Jesus Christ now in relation to you? He's in me. So if Jesus Christ is in me, you've received eternal life. When you die, where will you go? Ah, mahirap sabihin yan. We never can tell. That's why you have this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. That word know is not the ordinary know in English. Ginosko means to know by experience. To know here is different than to know here. So you can agree with everything that I've shared with you. You can agree that you are a sinner separated from God. You can agree that Jesus Christ died on the cross as payment for your sin. You can agree that you need Jesus Christ. But my friend, if that information stays here and does not trickle down from your mind to your heart, if I were you, you make sure. Where is Jesus Christ? Is He just in your mind? Or he, is He really in your heart? He wants you to know. He wants you to be assured. He wants you to have complete faith in Him. That because of God's sovereign grace, if you place your faith in Christ, humble yourself, acknowledge that you are a sinner separated from God, acknowledge that only Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, can save you, then you cling to this verse. And because you know that you are a child of God, because you know that you are headed for eternal life, begin to practice today. If today you are a child of God, live as a child of God. You know why? Very simple. If you do not practice what heaven is like here on earth, when you get to heaven, why am I here? What are we going to do here? I don't know. So when will you practice all of this? Here. How will you know what it is like to worship God if you don't, in heaven if you don't know what it is like to worship God here? Oh, but pastor, I'm, I'm learning to be a good uh, evangelist. Fine. Who will you evangelize in heaven? There is no more person who needs to be, be, be evangelized in heaven. 
everyone who is in heaven is already saved. So when will you share the gospel? Here. When will you try your best by the Holy Spirit of God to be more and more like Christ? Here. We will know in part while we are here. But we will know in full when we are with Christ. Know. Know that you have eternal life. If you know that you have eternal life, live as one who has eternal life. Unless, of course, you are not sure. You see, I can say, I foretold you so. But I am just a man. May I suggest, God foretold you so. That if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved, you are secure, you are born again, and you need to grow in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What mechanism do we have? Discipleship. Do you know? Are you sure that you are a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ? God foretold you so. God, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for all the many promises and even the warnings in your word. Allow us, Lord God, hearts, mind, eyes, and ears who are willing to listen to you. And if there is anyone here, Lord, who is still not sure or who is trying to go to heaven by his or her own effort, will you speak to those people, Lord God, that the only thing that we need to do is to trust your sovereign grace, to trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ, and to prove for ourselves that we are really your children, to live to be more and more like Christ each and every day. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We worship God through our giving and the offering boxes at the back. We, we do have some discussion questions for you if you're new to CCF, CCF LA at least, that we break out into our discussion groups. And I have two questions for all of us. What vision do you have for your family? Second, what can you start doing today that will help ensure a godly legacy. Is that okay? Without vision, the people perish. If I do not have a vision for my family, what will happen to my family? So, the question is very simple. What vision do you have for your family? And what can you start doing today that will help ensure a godly legacy? Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.